I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 30th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, hear from advocates for Mississippi's disabled community as they fight to have their voices heard on proposed cuts to Medicaid. Well, I think they're against Obamacare because they're against Obama, and they've been doing everything they can to erase his legacy, and that's wrong. Find out how a new seatbelt law will affect you before it goes into effect tomorrow. Hattiesburg is one of the state's cities welcoming a new mayor. What's the next move for Toby Barker in the Hub City? And expert advice on how to make your cookouts safe and bacteria-free. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's disabled community is voicing concern over proposed cuts to Medicaid. Groups rallied Thursday at the Jackson offices of Senators Thad Cochran and Roger Wicker, both Republican. The coalition opposes the U.S. Senate's proposed health care bill, which they say proposes cuts to the Medicaid program, a program designed to assist low-income families in paying for long-term medical and custodial care costs. They say the cuts to Medicaid would be detrimental to Mississippians who rely on the program. The Mississippi Division of Medicaid reports as of May, more than 712,000 Mississippians receive services through the program. Scott Crawford is living with multiple sclerosis. He's chair of the board of directors with the Mississippi Coalition for Citizens with Disabilities. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier what happened during the meeting with the senator's staff. Everyone shared their story of how home and community-based services affect their lives, allow people to live at home, allow people to work, contribute to society, allow family members to work, you know, while their children get services, necessary equipment and medicines like diabetes, supplies, uh, insulin, the absolute necessities of life. I mean, Medicaid allows people like us to live. Medicaid allows parents and family members to work. And you know, we expressed a lot of concerns about this bill, how it would cut Medicaid, how it would cut community services for people with disabilities. She did share that Senator Wicker is aware of the importance of Medicaid to Mississippians, and particularly Mississippians with disabilities. We'll see. 
We'll see. I believe behavior, not words. They said that they're reworking the bill. They didn't give us a lot of uh, specifics. They said they're working on revisions to the bill. A report by the Center for American Progress says the Senate plan removes more than 235,000 Mississippians from the Medicaid by 2026. Pam Dollar is executive director of the Mississippi Coalition for Citizens with Disabilities. She says rallies are taking place nationwide. You know, there's rallies like ours going on nationwide. And we heard yesterday that the vote has been postponed because they don't believe they have enough votes now. So that's a good thing. We feel like we're making a difference, um, you know, that our voices are being heard. We hope they are anyway. Do you feel like it's over? Oh, no, it's not over. Absolutely not. We will keep going, you know, as long as we need to. We won't give up. That was one of our chants this morning. Never give up. (laughs) Someone said we can't keep going like we are because of the cost, but... One of the things that our organization and many others like ours have been saying for years is there need to be more home and community-based services so that people can live in their homes and in the community because it costs about a third of the amount to serve someone in in the community as it does to serve them in an institution or a nursing home. And that would save Medicaid probably millions of dollars, billions nationwide, but even in Mississippi it would probably save millions. Father Jeremy Tobin is a Catholic priest in Raymond. He tells our Desiree Frazier health care is a human right. I am out here because health care not only is a human right, health care is people's health. People are valuable. People are precious. I'm here because the, the zirconian health care bills are out to just treat people like commodity. It's not about balancing budgets. It's not about tax breaks for, for the uber wealthy. It's about keeping people alive and with a, with a decent quality of life, no matter what their condition is. Uh, it's totally against the, everything I believe in, from the Gospels, from, from, from the Scriptures, from my religion. Uh, we've, these bills must be defeated. Uh, this, it, it, this, is, this is the question about the soul of our country. It, it's, it's, we've got to stop these bills. What would be a good outcome for you with this issue? Right now, what this issue is if these bills, these two bills were to die, then I think the two parties have got to sit down and talk compromise and talk a humane, sensible approach toward health care. Senator Cochran says in a statement he'll continue to work with his colleagues to reach an agreement that benefits the nation. Senator Wicker wrote, rather than cutting funding for Medicaid, he says is false. The plan increases money to the program at a sustainable rate of growth. A vote on the bill has been delayed until after the July 4th recess. Coming up, travelers in Mississippi should be aware a new seatbelt law goes into effect tomorrow. Find out what that means to you. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi Highway Patrol is asking motorists to help make roadways safe this holiday weekend. MHP says during last year's Independence Day weekend, 
There were 131 crashes, six fatalities, and 182 DUI arrests on state and federal highways. The 4th of July travel period is usually one of the biggest travel times in the state, but this year it coincides with a new seatbelt and safety law. Tomorrow, July 1st, all passengers in a motor vehicle will be required to be properly restrained. It also applies to unrestrained passengers riding in the rear cargo area of a pickup truck, making it illegal to ride in that space. The MHP will be boosting the number of troopers on state highways to look out for this and other violations and reduce traffic crashes. Captain Johnny Polis is the director of public affairs at MHP. He tells us about the new safety campaign. It's called In the Click. July 1st, we do have a new seatbelt law that will be taking effect. Uh, Our plan is to educate the motoring public with this new law. The law will apply to all drivers and all passengers. They will be required to be restrained. This also applies to pickup trucks, which no passengers will be permitted to ride in the cargo area of a pickup truck. So we've come up with a new campaign. We've entitled it In the Click. Uh, This is a positive campaign here again to educate the motoring public on the new seatbelt law. Tell us about the holiday weekend driving period. What is July 4th typically like for the Mississippi Highway Patrol? Fourth of July holidays usually really busy for MHP. Uh, Unfortunately, in 2016, we had a deadly weekend uh, concerning fatalities. We had six people lose their lives on the highways of Mississippi. We want to avoid that this year. And we always ask for really good, responsible decisions from the motoring public to assist us with that. What is the main reason that someone dies or or what causes accidents? Well, there's a number of factors that we see for us investigating motor vehicle crashes, distractions. It's a huge issue in today's world. Texting is one of our biggest problems. We have impaired drivers getting behind the wheel and people are not wearing their seatbelts. And usually in a crash with a rollover, we have drivers and passengers that are ejected. And that's why it's so important to make that simple little click. We want Mississippi to be in our click. And that means to have everyone in the vehicle restrained with a seatbelt. You have traffic stops set up for the weekend? We will have safety checkpoints in place. Uh, Here again, that's an important tool that we use uh, to remove impaired drivers from the roadway. And how does that work? You pull everybody over in a certain area? We have certain locations that we implement the checkpoints. We always ask uh, our drivers, if they would, to have their insurance card and driver's license readily available so the trooper can check their information and get them moving through the checkpoint. And that saves time for the motoring public. They can reach their destinations, and we're able to operate the checkpoints in a safe and timely manner. In those safety checkpoints, do you find many drivers who are impaired? Oh, absolutely. And also, there have been many times that troopers have searched the vehicle and found drugs. We've had a lot of people come through these checkpoints that were wanted individuals. So here again, it's a very important tool when it comes to public safety. It makes you wonder, if you're pulling over people who are impaired, how every day how many people are driving who are impaired, which seems to emphasize how we should all drive defensively. That's correct. Uh, you know, and that's what we, we try to instruct our young students in the high schools and, and the adults. Uh, you know, it really doesn't matter how much experience you have behind the wheel. 
you have no control over the person that is driving towards you. That could be crossing the center line, uh, and we all have to be focused on the roadway to avoid those type of crashes. In the Click is the name of the campaign. We've been speaking with Captain Johnny Polis. He's the Director of Public Affairs Division for the Mississippi Highway Patrol. Captain Polis, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having us. The 2017 Fourth of July holiday enforcement period starts tonight at 6. It concludes Tuesday, July 4th at midnight. Coming up, municipal leadership will soon change hands in some towns. Meet the lawmaker who's also shaking things up at the state level next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. What activities does your group have planned this summer? How are you letting others know about them? MPB has a free way to help. Just email us now. It's events at mpbonline.org. We'll put your information on the air. Let listeners around the state know about your upcoming festivals, concerts, or other fun events. Send an email to events at mpbonline.org. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. State Representative Toby Barker is taking on a new role today. The Republican leader is leaving the State House of Representatives for the office of mayor in Hattiesburg. At just 25 years old, Barker unseated former Representative Lee Gerald Davis in the 2007 election. And now with 10 years of experience, a chairmanship and numerous committee memberships, Barker is taking the reins at the municipal level in one of the state's largest cities. He tells us his plans. I will be uh, resigning the House uh, around June 30th. Tell me why you made the decision to run for mayor and with the prospect of giving up your seat. Well, I love Hattiesburg, and, and that's this is my home. Um, this is where I went to school, fell in love with the place, and decided to stay. My wife and I had a baby in late October, and as we sort of looked at the city and how much potential it has, but the fact that it seemed like we were just sort of stuck the last two or three years, there was a real conviction to come home and offer myself to be the quarterback for a few years and uh, try to lead the city and capture the potential that it has and, and also overcome some of our current challenges. I will miss the House of Representatives. I will miss the process, and I'll miss most of the people. But I'm excited about what the future holds here in Hattiesburg. You beat a longtime mayor, a five-term mayor, uh, Johnny Dupree. How did you beat him? Mayor Dupree's been here for, for 16 years and is has made a lot of positive contributions and is a great campaigner. I think people in Hattiesburg were ready for change. I think there was a, a feeling that we had been stuck in the last couple of years and, and really unable to move on some of our challenges like our public schools and our infrastructure. And um, you know, we, we had a very concentrated ground game, I and mean, this, um, this is what I do in my campaigns for state representative, and we really focused on registering people to vote, uh, particularly young professionals and students. We didn't go negative, and neither did he. I mean, it was a very positive campaign, which after the last election four years ago in Hattiesburg was very refreshing. But we really focused on just talking honestly about our challenges but not blaming anyone for them, and then presenting ideas on how best to move forward. And, and I think my track record in the House has been one who, as someone who can build coalitions to overcome uh, current situations and move the ball. I mean, we did that in pre-K, we did it in foster care, we did it in criminal justice reform, and we want to bring that same approach here to Hattiesburg. And I think that's ended up uh, being something the voters and residents could buy into. What's your priority? Day one on the job, what are you going to do? Well, we have some financial difficulty right now. We, we, we know that we, 
are still waiting on audits to be done in 2015 and 2016. Uh, our movie's uh, rating was just withdrawn, and so we have to figure out our finances first. And so that's step one is, is getting our financial house in order. But also we have to put people in director's positions to make sure they can not only uh, lead and manage people but also set a new course for our city. And so getting personnel straight, getting finances straight, and then we can really start looking at things like our public schools and what are some positive evidence-based ideas that we can bring to the table to help move that move that needle. And so a lot of work to do but a lot of potential as well. You were are a millennial lawmaker, the Mississippi Future Caucus. Will you continue along that vein? Is there anything you can do as mayor that furthers some of the initiatives that began in the legislature that you're passionate about? First of all, I'm going to talk about the Future Caucus. I mean, we've got great leadership there on both sides of the aisle. Uh, Jeremy Anderson, uh, youngest lawmaker in Mississippi, is going to continue to help uh, push that initiative. And I think there are things of uh, people in our generation that we agree on, the need to modernize voting, the need to uh, enact some criminal justice reform so you're, you're not being punitive, but you're actually enabling people to make better decisions in the future. I think those are things that we not only did in the legislature, but I think we can do in Hattiesburg. We have some issues with our municipal courts. So you bring those kinds of ideas, that kind of research, and you try to uh, you try to affect change locally. The committee that I chair, performance-based budgeting, was all about how do you bring evidence-based decision-making and data-driven decision-making to tackle particular issues. And that's what we're going to do as a city and, you know, bringing the council along and making sure that we're using the latest in research to help guide our policy-making and our budgeting. Is your voting demographic a younger demographic? I think that we were able to tap into several different uh, groups of folks and assemble a pretty broad coalition. Hattiesburg is one of the largest cities in Mississippi. Do you think that you can have an impact on the entire state? Well, I think right now we, we really want to take care of home. Uh, I hope that some things that we do will be used as models in, in other cities to you know, further um, those communities. But I can tell you that back in the the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, Hattiesburg was kind of setting the pace for the entire state in terms of quality of life and how people got along um, in, in among diverse populations. And, and I think we can get back to that. And, you know, all the weaknesses we have and challenges we face as a town right now are, are really opportunities. And um, I think that we can assemble coalitions around particular issues to, to really get things done and kind of set that bar for the rest of the state, yeah. Toby Barker was just elected mayor of Hattiesburg. When do you take office? I will not take office until July 1st. July 1st. It's coming up. Congratulations on your win, and thank you very much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Karen. Coming up, food safety tips for one of the biggest holiday cookouts of the year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On a warm summer day in Vicksburg back in 1894, Joseph Biedenhorn changed history. The operator of Biedenhorn Candy Company, Joseph was selling customers lots of glasses of a popular new soda fountain drink called Coca-Cola. It occurred to Joseph that if he could put the drink in bottles, he could sell even more. Soon he was selling bottled Coca-Cola to farmers, lumber camp workers, and others who lived far from his soda fountain. He sent a case of his newly bottled beverage to Coke's owners, the company was focused only on fountain sales. They weren't interested. But in 1899, Coca-Cola finally began selling franchise rights to bottlers around the country, including Joseph Biedenhorn. Today, the Vicksburg store on Washington Street is the Biedenhorn Coca-Cola Museum, and the city celebrates this 1894 milestone with a mural on its riverfront. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Many Mississippians will take to the grill this weekend. Whether gas or charcoal, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is encouraging safe food handling to prevent food poisoning. They say incidents of foodborne illness surge during summer because harmful bacteria multiply more quickly in the hot and humid weather. Also, cooking away from the kitchen and sink can make it more difficult to stay safe. The Centers for Disease Control estimate 48 million Americans, or one in six, get sick annually, some resulting in hospitalization and death. Marianne Gravely is a USDA food safety expert with one out of every four hamburgers turning brown before it's reached a safe internal temperature. She tells us food thermometers are critical. The first mistake is not using a food thermometer. We know that only about 24% of people use a food thermometer when they're cooking burgers on the grill. But using a food thermometer, no matter what you're cooking, whether it be burgers or chicken or steaks, it's the only reliable way to know that your food has reached a safe internal temperature. Color is not a reliable indicator of doneness, so you can't tell by what it looks like or if the juices are running clear. Using a thermometer not only makes you able to to be confident that your food has reached a safe temperature, but it'll keep you from overcooking your food as well. Is there a source for what the temperature should be ideally? Some of the dial thermometers will say on there what the temperature is. The packaging almost always has the recommended temperature. But I'll tell you quickly, cook your hamburgers to 160 degrees. Cook all poultry, whether it's ground or whole, to 165. If you're cooking whole cuts of meat like steaks or roasts or ribs, cook them to 145 degrees with a three-minute rest time. What else are people doing that they shouldn't be doing? Leaving food out for too long, whether your party is indoor or outdoors, you don't want food sitting out at room temperature. That's the ideal temperature for bacteria to grow. If you're outside and it's hot, Food shouldn't be out for more than one hour. Inside, at room temperature, two hours. But instead of just having food sitting out on your picnic table all day, um, either nestle cold foods in bowls of ice or maybe just portion your food out so that you've only got a small amount of potato salad out at a time, then after an hour, get rid of that and put a fresh batch out so that your food is always, you want hot foods to be hot and cold foods to be cold. The hot food you can leave on the grill, just set it to the side. That'll keep it nice and warm so that it'll be safe for your guests. Can you take something out and then put it back in the fridge and then take it out and have it sit for two hours and then put it back in the, you know what I mean? If it's been out for one hour in the sun, then just throw it away. You don't want to save that. Food poisoning bacteria doesn't affect the taste or the smell or the appearance of a food. So you can't tell by looking at it. Nobody would get sick if you could tell by the smell or the taste. You don't ever want to taste food to check to see if it's safe. So all we can do is go by time and temperature. So if it's been in the danger zone for more than an hour outside in the heat, then just throw it out. Don't try to save it. Are there more foods that are prone to contamination than others? Not necessarily. I mean, raw meat and poultry can contain bacteria, so that's why we want to cook it to a safe internal temperature. But any food can become contaminated either by handling, you know, if somebody hasn't washed their hands, or cross-contamination. Let's say you've carried burgers out to the grill, cooked them, and then put them on that same plate that had the raw meat or poultry. That now has contaminated those cooked foods. 
But if you're not washing your hands or your guests are serving themselves and they haven't washed their hands, by the way, we recommend just having some wipes on the table so your guests can clean their hands before they serve themselves if you're outside. But anything, you know, even something like a macaroni salad, once you've cooked the macaroni, that starch now is accessible for bacteria. So leaving that out at room temperature for several hours, that could still make somebody sick. Could you share some statistics with us about how many people get food poisoning um, and how it might affect people? The Centers for Disease Control estimate that every year, 48 million people will suffer from foodborne illness. That leads to 128,000 hospitalizations and 3,000 deaths. We know that in the summertime, foodborne illness peaks because people are outside, you know, maybe they're cooking with a grill they're not familiar with. It's a little bit more complicated to transport food to a picnic site. So there's there's a lot of reasons why you want to take extra care if you're having a holiday party this weekend. Cooking with charcoal, do you have an opinion on that or any statistics on that? Charcoal is, is fine. What you don't want to do is have flare-ups, whether you're cooking on a charcoal or a gas grill. You might want to use indirect heat so that set the coals on one side and the food on the other. So as the juices drip down, um, they're not going to spark flare-ups from the hot coals that will cause charring on the food. Marianne Gravely is a food safety expert at the USDA. Marianne, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. For more information on safe grilling, there's an app you can download. It's called USDA Food Keeper. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs at 9, Gestalt Gardner, at 10, Next Stop Mississippi, at 11, Southern Remedy. And I hope you'll join us next Wednesday for the next Mississippi edition. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at Woodward Hines.